0: What's up? Welcome in. It's the John Cass podcast with the abrupt intro ending. This podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Ian's Pizza, with three locations in Madison and three locations in Milwaukee. They're in Seattle, they're in Denver as well. And all three of Ian's Pizza's Madison locations will be dishing out free slices of mac and cheese pizza on Election Day, November the 8th, from 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. So they're going to be closed all the way until 5 to ensure their staff can go and, and vote as well. And then you can go vote. And then after five o'clock on November 8th, how about some free slices of mac and cheese at all three of Ian's Pizza's Madison locations? Also, a shout out to listener Ross on Facebook, who won the, my buddy's tickets to the college football game in Madison this upcoming weekend. So he gets the four tickets and a $50 gift card to me and Julio as well. Congratulations to Ross. And thank you to everybody who participated in that promotion. And thank you to my buddy, Justin, who hooked us up with the tickets to do so. Well, my guest today is a former play-by-play announcer for the Milwaukee Bucks. I didn't get the current years, Ted, but I'll get them in just a second. I think it's 24. He's recently retired and living in Texas. But is he really retired? Because he's still behind the mic calling games for Shriner University and also teaching as well. Your teacher now. Welcome to the podcast, Ted Davis. What's going on, Ted?
1: Hey, John, how about you? You got sponsors and a fancy intro and everything, man. Pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's not bad. So so was it 24 years with the Bucs? Did I have that number right?
1: Yeah, 24 years with the Bucs. Came there in 1997, and I'd done nine years with the Dallas Mavericks prior to that, and I'd done a four-year uh, part-time schedule prior to that. So I started doing NBA games in 1984. I tell people that Michael Jordan and I were a rookie. That was Michael Jordan's first year, 1984.
0: I was thinking, I was thinking, wait, hold on, 84. I'm pretty sure that's Jordan's first year. So you broke into the league the same year as Jordan. (laughs) That's awesome. That's very cool. And now what's new with you? Uh, Living in Texas, you moved from Wisconsin to Texas.
1: Yeah, I'm from Texas. I mean, I grew up here, grew up in Lubbock. And uh, my wife grew up in Houston. We still have family down here. And we always knew that when we uh, were done with the NBA, we were going to come back here. Uh, Nothing against Wisconsin. I loved living there. It's a beautiful state. I lived in Menominee Falls, had a great house there, and and enjoyed all of my 24 years. Loved going to Door County, went to the Apostle Islands, loved going to the Dells over to La Crosse and rode our bicycles. And Wisconsin is a gorgeous state, but we knew when we were done, we wanted to come back to a place that was home Mm -hmm. and was warm in the winter. And had no state income tax. And so I'm living in my favorite part of Texas, which is the Texas Hill Country. I live about uh forty-five minutes outside of San Antonio. And uh, it's 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 fun. I'm enjoying it down here.
0: That's that's very cool. But you're still busy, you work for Shriner. Tell me about the the teach your teacher, you're a professor for Shriner University. How's this working?
1: Yeah, you never knew that I'd be a professor when we were doing a radio show. <laughs> you didn't you didn't think that was on the horizon. Look. No. Here And there's a local university here. It's a small private uh, college. It's about 1,500 students. And they've been around for 100 years, by the way. This is their 100th anniversary, 2023. And uh, so they approached me to do two things, really. One, they wanted to upgrade the play-by-play that they have on their streaming. They stream on ShrinerMountaineers.com. And so I think I certainly was qualified for that, to update their play-by-play broadcasts and 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 do a better job of it. And then they asked me if I would teach a broadcast course. They started a broadcast course this fall, never had one at the university before. And I said, well, sure, let me try that. And I don't know if I'm, I can't figure out if I'm a good teacher or not, because broadcasting is not something that you learn from a book or from sitting in class, listening to somebody like me prattle on about broadcasting. The way I learned how to broadcast was just go on the air. And I was 17 years old and they put me on the air to do a a seven to midnight twangy country DJ shift. And I'm sure I wasn't very good at the beginning. (laughs) Repetition and being on the air every day makes you better. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm putting students to work, sending them out to do projects, uh, like to cover one of our games that we have at Shriner or to do a, a weekly recap of the athletic events at Shriner. and uh, that's what they're doing. So I hope at the end of the process of, of the process, they get something out of this.
0: Yeah, I would I would think they would get something out of it. But you're right. I think I think the best way to learn, right, is to, is by doing because it's hard to become better at something by just reading about it. Like you have to get hands on and yeah, and have to go out there and actually, you know. Pay, pay your dues, I guess, in a way, right?
1: Yeah. And uh, so I started small. I only have five yeah. all So uh, I'm going to do it again in the spring. I think I'm going to have more. I may have around 10 in the spring and we'll we'll see where it goes. I'm I'm enjoying it. You know, I don't think you ever fully retire from broadcasting if you're a broadcaster, mm-hmm. because it's not physical work. You know, you can sit on your ass and do it like I am right now. You know, you can sit on your ass and talk. And so I think I can talk until I'm, you know, uh, old, so old that I can't remember anything anymore. And uh, yeah. oh, I, I'm 66 years old. I still feel good. I'm in good shape, and so I'm going to do this as long as I can. And I'm doing high school games down here, high school football games. Uh, there's a company out of San Antonio that streams them, and I'm doing two games a weekend. And I'm doing a game Friday night that I'm actually looking forward to because of I, I want to see, I want to see and hear about the recovery that they're having in Uvalde, Texas. I'm going to do a game in Uvalde, Texas this weekend. We all know, we all know what happened there. And so uh, I'm going down there Friday to do a, a district game that they're going to have against Somerset. And uh, it's been fun to do high school games because my first play-by-play as a, as a broadcaster was Louisville Fighting Farmer High School football way back in 1975.
0: Wait, wait, hold up. They were called the Fighting Farmers?
1: Yes, Louisville at that time was a suburb of Dallas and it was kind of out in the country. So they call themselves the Farmers and they're the Fighting Farmers. Well, now Dallas has grown up around Louisville, so they have no more farming land. But they're yeah. Fighting Farmers and their mascot is this guy in some overalls with a pitchfork.
0: Wow, that is so funny. That's a great nickname. Like the Cheesemakers in Monroe, Wisconsin, I always thought was a like Paper Makers in Kimberly, Wisconsin, <laughs> but... The Fighting Farmers, I think, is right up there with best nicknames for a high school. That's amazing. And and so you're doing high school football in Texas, Ted. How different is it? Because when you when you, when I think about high school football, like in Texas, I think of all these multi-million-dollar stadiums and things like that. Is, is that some of the games that you're you're broadcasting?
1: Yeah, I mean, these are stadiums that uh, a small college would love to have. Uh, Allen, Texas, just north of Dallas, which is where Kyler Murray went to school. Okay. Uh, they have, they only have one high school in town. They've been talking about trying to build more high schools, but they don't want to do that because all the foot, best football players go to one high school when you only have one high school. Mm-hmm. And they have 6,000 people at the high school, which is remarkable. And they're so good that they built a $60 million high school football stadium. Wow. Yeah. So I'm 60. <laughs> You know, I mean, these are really nice places. The the town gets behind it. They do a referendum. They build this big place, and that's where they play football.
0: That's amazing. I would love to see a $60 million high school anything, like gym or stadium. That must just be just next level. And it's so weird for us to think about that because I think a lot of people are used to – when you think high school football around, at least what I think of from my time in high school and then in Wisconsin is – you go to a place and they got the stands and there might be like a press box and sometimes it's covered and yeah. it's a nice little place to go play football, but it's nothing compared to a $60 million arena stadium. Well, uh,
1: you know, the, there's an argument about where the best high school football is played. Is it uh-huh. in is It in Florida? Is it in California? But uh, here in Texas, we just go on the numbers and there are 199 players in the NFL today that attended and played at a Texas high school. That's the most of any state in the country. 199. So there's the proof right there.
0: Yeah, I guess so, right? It's just the bottom line, who made it to the NFL and where did you play high school football? Those numbers make perfect sense to me. And you are also now, not only the high school football, but at Shriner teaching. And then you also, you did volleyball, which I thought was, was funny. Was that was that the first time you ever had called a volleyball match?
1: Yeah. Um, I walked in to do that, my first volleyball game, and I walked in, I sat down, and I said, well, I've done 3,000 NBA games. I've done zero volleyball volley, zero. So I don't know how good I was. Uh, you're the one who knows how to do volleyball. And uh, so I, I kind of got used to it. I did maybe eight or nine home games for them this year, and I think by the end of it yeah. I was better. But I didn't really know all of the nuances of the sport like I didn't know you couldn't have a dig off a serve who knew
0: right that's just a pass that's just a pass off the serve yeah so yeah it's that's awesome I I tuned into I think your very first one for a little bit um but yeah I'm sure you're a pro at it now because what I always try to do and what I've been trying to do since I have more time to focus on play-by-play now is I'm just trying to add like two or three things per year whether that's a new term, a more like sophisticated term within the game or something else to describe. And I just add that in and I'm thinking in about three to five years, it'll sound like a totally different broadcast.
1: Um, You know, I I tried to do that with basketball too. Every year I try to come up with something and, uh, you know, you you stay fresh that way. What Mm -hmm. I also learned is we're streaming it. You're doing radio volleyball play by play. We're streaming it. So there is video. So I learned that after the serve, you can shut up for a few minutes. (laughs) And just let the you know let the play play itself out, and then identify who did the kill or whatever. You don't have to call every little bump that they do.
0: Right? Yeah, that's the luxury of having the video alongside. The video will tell the picture for you, and you don't have to yeah. go crazy like I'm back there, like a like a auctioning off something. Sometimes I feel like it goes so quickly. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome that you did the volleyball, and you've been doing all the other uh, broadcasts. Do you do you miss not calling an NBA game?
1: Uh, I get asked that a lot. Uh, I only miss it when I think about doing the game, and that's all. I miss that three hours that I did the broadcast. Right. Because, at the time I was eight or nine years old, I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a major league play-by-play man, and I I was able to do that and do it for a long time. But I don't miss the travel. I don't miss the late nights. I don't miss your sleeping patterns getting all jacked up because you're up at all times of the day, coming in at two and three in the morning. But I do miss that three hours where I did the broadcast. And so I'm, I'm kind of weaning myself off of that by doing broadcasting down here. But sure, I mean, I, I miss calling games at that level, but I knew I would, and uh, I knew it was going to end eventually. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, that's what I miss. that When I sat down... And my favorite part of the day was 15 minutes before I was going to go on the air where I had all the preparation done and I'm sitting right there at my broadcast location. And I know that in 15 minutes I'm going to do a major league broadcast. Everything's prepared. I'm going to be really good at it. And I enjoyed that 15 minutes where I was like, ah, this is what I've always wanted to do. And I missed that part of it.
0: Yeah, I totally understand when you're done. You're, everything's ready to go. You know you've got everything prepared. And you're just like, okay, now I get to do this for the next two hours or three hours or whatever long, however long that broadcast is. Um, I was going to ask you another question about the broadcast. Um, shoot, I don't remember. But you did get a ring. Where do you keep oh. your championship ring?
1: Oh, man, I should have gotten it out. Uh, it's in a safe that I oh, have. Oh, Okay. Uh, I don't wear it that much because it's kind of big. It, it's not as big as the, uh, not as big as the player's rings. This was, this was a staff ring that they gave out. And, but it's still fairly substantial. When I put it on my finger, I wear it on my right hand. And uh, there are people that when I wear it, it's a conversation starter, man. I mean, they look at that and go, whoa, wow. I did a speech before the Rotary Club here in the city where I live. And uh, so I I was talking about, Uh, Winning the championship. And I I said, you know, most people think that, you know, what did you have to do with the championship? You just sat on your butt and called the game. And I said, folks, and I held up my ring. I said, I earned this ring because I talked about all the bad teams that I had. And I've done the math on the years that I was in the NBA because I never missed a game. And the teams I did, Dallas Mavericks and Milwaukee in total were almost 300 games under 500 for my broadcast career so when i got that championship ring i felt that i had earned it and uh it was a pretty cool run and to be a part of that in my last year in particular was something that i could not have imagined
0: and that's funny so 300 games under 500 so you you earn it you finally get the championship and you go out on top that's amazing but that that 300 like let me i'm trying to look at the record so they were um the year they won they were like 20 games over 500 40 games over 500. So, I guess my point is if you had right before, like if you had done this before Giannis or something, like I'm wondering, what was that number? How low did that number get below 500? Do you remember? Uh,
1: It was close to 400 at one point. I'm sure. One night, Tim Roy of the Golden State Warriors, who now has been there for all of those championships, this was before. I think it was maybe after his first championship, okay? So mm-hmm. it was at the old Bradley Center. So Golden State came to town for their one appearance. And I'm in the media room, and I'm sitting down. I'm talking to Tim Roy. He does the Warriors radio broadcast. And he said, we were talking about all the bad years that he had seen and the bad years I would seen. And he goes, I wonder which broadcaster has the lowest winning percentage <laughs> in the league right now. And I went, well, I said, I, I got to be close. And I looked at him, and I said, well, you got to be close. And then we thought, okay, Ralph Lawler of the Clippers, you know, who would it be? Yeah. So one day when he didn't have anything to do, Tim Roy actually started to research this and look it up. And at that time, Ralph Lawler had the lowest win percentage among broadcasters. at I think 39%, I was second at 41% and Roy was third at like 43%. But I think Tim Roy changed because he went on to have, you know, what, four more championships with the... Golden State Warriors, so his has probably changed. I'm not sure that I don't still have maybe that second place behind Ralph Lawler. I might still be there.
0: Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. That's funny. The the bottom three broadcasters for winning percentage of all time. That's amazing. You know, I was going to say who you reminded me of, the way you describe what you miss and what you don't miss. You sound a little bit like Brett Favre. Remember, like he just wanted to come back and play the games. He didn't want to do the training camp or the, he just wanted to just show up. Just let me play. Yeah.
1: And, and I was, I was kind of like that. Uh, not that I would have wished COVID on anybody, anywhere, anytime, any place. Don't get me wrong. But when COVID hit and we didn't have to go on the road for a year and a half, I did the championship season, the entire season, uh, doing remote broadcast from the road. I did it at the empty arena. Uh, I was at Pfizer Forum team would be in phoenix or the team would be in brooklyn or wherever and i was sitting in the empty arena if i serve Forum doing the games off a of monitor and to be able to get up get my car go home sleep in my own bed i actually grew to enjoy that quite mm-hmm. a bit. and so uh yeah i mean i enjoyed going home i enjoyed that year and a half when i was off the road you know you when you get into the nba and you start to travel and you think okay man this is pretty cool and it was for a while, like at the time I was living in Dallas and I'd be in Dallas and I'd hop on a plane. And a few hours later, I'd be in San Francisco or L.A. I might be having dinner on the wharf or, you know, walking on the beach. And that was pretty good for the first few years. But about the 55th time you go to Cleveland in February, <laughs> going, what what am I going to do? You know, the road does begin to wear you down.
0: Yeah. I, I understand that totally too. That during that COVID season, I did all of my women's basketball and volleyball matches from Camp Randall Stadium on the road. Yeah, and and it's it's a really nice feeling to get in your car and 20 minutes later be home and know that what you would be doing normally is yeah. just getting on the bus, waiting to drive to the airport at this point, and I'm already at home. So, right. or
1: you're flying home and getting home at two in the morning, and you know, for you in particular, you know, you're you're not in. You know, you're in Champaign, Illinois again, which is not Big Ten. And you're going, why? Why am I here? You know, that kind of thing. So I'm sure you felt the same way.
0: By the way, tonight I leave for Champaign, Illinois.
1: (laughs) All right. Which is which is less of a garden spot on the Big Ten tour? Is it uh, West Lafayette, Champaign, or is there another place?
0: Uh, you know, those two would be up there for sure. A lot of people, it depends, honestly, like where you stay in these cities because I hear a lot of negative talk for West Lafayette and I understand it after going there several times. But if they put you up at the hotel in the right spot, it's a nice little area. Like if you're in the surrounding area, so it's not so bad some of the spots we stay, but Champagne oh. always seems like it's, it's cold and cloudy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Here's what I, I, this is the point where I got to in my latter years, Uh, Of being on the road, and people laugh when I say this. But if if I couldn't see it from the hotel, it was, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I go out of the hotel and I go, okay, there's a coffee shop and there's a sandwich shop, and okay, I'm good. That's it. That's
0: all you need. Where's the (laughs) coffee? Where's the food? All right. Walk a couple blocks. It's exactly the way I treat it as well. I'm not. I'm not getting in an Uber and going 12 miles down the road anywhere like. I don't know. I sometimes saw movies. I started doing that once. Yeah. That was bad.
1: uh, For 16 years when I was with the Bucks, John McLaughlin and I became really good friends very early after I came to Milwaukee. I don't remember exactly when it was. I came in 97 but probably by 98 we were really good friends. Mm -hmm. and We killed a lot of time on the road together. That's what we would do. We would go to a movie. Mm -hmm. We'd go out to dinner. and That's the hardest thing about being on the road. People don't Really realize that you're not with your family, you're not with your wife, and the hardest thing to do is to kill time. So if you can find somebody that you can buddy up with that helps you kill that time, that was fantastic. And for me, that was John McLaughlin. We saw a ton of movies together. We saw we went to eat a lot. I'll tell you a funny story about being on, being on the road with John. Uh, I was the one that got to pick the movies. He didn't want to do that. Okay. And it was up to me to find out where they were and how we were going to get there and that kind of thing. So uh, I called him one time, and we had seen pretty much everything that was out because we were on a road trip for a while. But there was this movie out called Twilight. Okay, (laughs) and I thought, okay, it's 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 got to be okay. And I called him up and I said, okay, we got a four thirty showing of Twilight, and we're going to go to dinner. And he goes, well, what is this movie? I said, well, it's got vampires in it. It's kind of like Shakespeare with 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 vampires, like Romeo and Juliet with vampires. he's like well okay what are you getting me into so anyway we go to the theater at 4 30 and we're sitting in this theater and you <laughs> look around and all of a sudden john goes ted we're the only men in here <laughs> and i turned around and i looked and i went not only that we're the only men over 21 years old here don't, we're, we're the only people over 21 years old here it was all teenage girls watching <laughs> this movie and we were like oh my gosh we felt so out of place but we stayed in there we watched it
0: <laughs> I love how you describe it. it's like Shakespeare. How'd you describe that? That's yeah, like there's like Romeo and Juliet with vampires. With vampires, oh, that's <laughs> fantastic. There was this movie called Twilight we saw once. That's awesome. Yeah, and
1: and when uh, when a uh, Pattinson's character, uh, I can't remember his name now, the vampire Robert Pattinson's character when his character came on the screen, there was an audible. <laughs> From the teenage girls we were like oh my gosh we're so out of place here
0: so so out of place <laughs> so out of, speaking of being out of place but not really out of place I want to get your thoughts on on just Giannis in general because I think Giannis is like the greatest one of the greatest if not the greatest sports figure in Wisconsin history he everything about him is genuine everything about him makes you like him and I don't know if you saw this recently I'll share this he was recently out Trick or treating? Oh yeah, I he's saw. It. He's just out with normal people out in his neighborhood and trick or treating, and people are all around him and taking pictures and stuff. Like, and, and after he wins the championship, Ted, what's he go to Chick fil A and he yeah. orders like fifty chicken nuggets? Yeah. And he drives around with the trophy in his car, and people yeah. are are you know like looking at him or whatever. Like, well,
1: I, I've said he's the most likable superstar that we have now in sports. I don't know why, but a lot of our superstars seem angry and bitter and chippy I mean Kevin Durant looks like he always always looks like he just has taken a bite out of a sour pickle or something right you know just it doesn't look like he enjoys the process or anything um Kyrie Irving's kind of weird you know I mean they all seem James Harden is kind of weird and uh I I don't know they don't seem happy in their celebrity and here is Giannis I kind of he reminds me of Will Ferrell's character in Elf, you know, where everything's kind of new to him still and he's enjoying everything. And not only do I think he is the best player in the NBA today, but he's the most likable. And you're right. To go out and trick or treat with normal people. Uh, there, he did a video of him asking Alexa to tell him jokes (laughs) and he's cracking up at Alexa's jokes. I mean, that's just likable. I mean, that that that's relatable. People would do that. So the fact that he's here in Milwaukee for a few more years, I don't know whether he'll finish his time in Milwaukee, but you have him for a few more years and he's as good as he is. The Bucks have a chance to win a championship every year that he's there. Doesn't mean they're going to do it, but they've got a chance. And that's all you want.
0: Yeah, he is genuine. He is an amazing individual on and off the court and they're off to an undefeated start now. I think, Giannis, I got the numbers. I think it's 34 points, 13 boards roughly, and five assists per, per game. And but, yet he can't shoot, right? Right. And yet he can't shoot, but he can yeah. put up 34. He has yeah. enough to, to put in 34 points per game. So how much stock do you put into an early undefeated start for the Bucks? Because NBA seasons, you know this, Ted, they're long.
1: Well, yeah, but what they're doing now is they're banking wins without Chris Middleton. I mean, that's really valuable, I think. You know, they... Uh, They missed getting home court advantage against Boston by one game last year. So you bank these wins now when every win counts, but we know that the NBA season doesn't really begin until around Christmas. That's when you start getting serious about it. But if you can bank these wins now, it's going to make it easier for you on the back end where if you have a slump, maybe late in the season, it doesn't hurt you as bad as it normally would. Or if you want to rest some guys, and maybe punt some games like NBA teams do now, it won't cost you a playoff spot. So yeah, without Chris Middleton to be off to an undefeated start, to have Giannis playing this way indicates that this team has a great chance to win another ring and to go all the way, and that that's all you want. It, it's it's amazing to me, having come to Milwaukee and had those lonely nights at the Bradley Center where the Bucks were bad, that of the teams in Wisconsin right now, the Bucks have the best chance – of winning a championship better than the Brewers, better than the Packers. I would never have guessed that.
0: No, no. And you're right. Every single year, as long as Giannis is there and you've got a healthy, productive uh, lineup around him, you are going to be a contender for an NBA championship. And I guess maybe this start, that's a great way of looking at it, Ted. I didn't look at it as banking wins for for later on in the season if you need them. I think that's a fantastic way of looking at it. And I think it also, it gets the fan base energized because, from a fan perspective, the NBA season is long and the postseason is like three months long or something like that. So to generate a little bit of excitement and say, okay, well, wait, and Middleton's not there and they're doing it and Giannis is having another excellent start. Like, I think it just generates more excitement and keeps the fan base focused on them for longer as opposed to if they had started like the Lakers are started or started to something like that, then you're like, oh, what are we doing?
1: Uh, you know, I like Darvin Ham. I, 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 he, he's a Texas Tech guy. I grew up in Lubbock. But to go into that situation, that dysfunction with the Lakers, I know he's going to get paid a lot of money, but I don't know that he was set up for success there, and I wish him well. But when you've got LeBron, who's actually running the show, and then you've got Russell Westbrook, who's going to do his own thing, and then Anthony Davis, who may be doing his own thing, and then you've got Magic, who's still ch- you know chiming in, and Phil Jackson, who's still hanging around, and Kurt Rambis is out there doing his own thing. And it it seems like a very dysfunctional situation with the Lakers. I hope he can pull all this together. I'm doubtful. But, uh, you know, the good thing about coaching is whenever they fire you, they've got to pay you a lot of money to go away. As Texas A&M is finding down here with Jimbo Fisher, apparently if they want to make him go away, they have to pay him $86 million, John. Wow.
0: Paul Christ got $11 million.
1: Well, Jimbo apparently has this jumbo Jimbo buyout. What <laughs> <but> it is?
0: <laughs> Crazy. Uh Finally, you did mention, uh, you know, like it's it's amazing that the Bucks are the team in the state that could pull off the championship next. The Packers are three and five, Ted. There were eight games. We're essentially halfway done in this new seventeen game schedule. Are they going to be able to make the playoffs? Like, are they done?
1: I I think they're done for this season. I think it's gonna be very hard to make the playoffs because they still have a tough schedule coming up now. They gotta play the Vikings again. They gotta play the Eagles. They gotta play the Cowboys, Miami, Tennessee. There are some losable games out there. And what, what I think yesterday showed me when they didn't make a trade at the deadline mm-hmm. to get him wide receiver help is that I think Gutekunst and the other people in that front office are realizing that the run with Rodgers is over, that we're going to have to go into a rebuild now. This is not a case of just bringing in one or two guys and making the difference. And my prediction is that this will be Aaron Rodgers' last season in Green Bay and that they'll move on to Jordan Love and start a rebuild. I think that's what yesterday told me when they did not make a trade, when a lot of people were making moves to bring in somebody to help Aaron Rodgers, they're looking at this three and five record going, you know, this is not going to get all a whole lot better this year. So we're not, we're not giving up a lot of draft picks to bring in somebody for a one year fix. It's time for us to start rebuilding. I think that's the beginning of the process right now.
0: Wow. And if that's true and if this is Aaron Rodgers' last year, Packers fans be ready because you don't always get hall of fame quarterbacks falling into your lap and I don't know what Jordan Love is going to be but if this is truly what you say and they're like okay maybe we should start rebuilding it it can get really ugly for several years
1: well here's what I here's what I've been saying I said this on I think I said this on your radio show when I was doing uh work with you the odds of three hall of fame quarterbacks in a row walking into that locker room in Green Bay what what is the lottery up to now like 1. 1- <laughs> billion dollars I have I,
0: yeah
1: Pottery than the Packers have of getting a third straight Hall of Fame quarterback
0: yeah yeah definitely it's 1.2 billion I think I bought tickets but yeah I, I, I agree I agree and I think it's gonna I think I think if that time is coming I'm just saying be ready because it, it could it could last several years and it is kind of I don't know it's it's I don't know what the word I'm looking for Ted it's just it's kind of sad that you still have Aaron Rodgers still good, but you still you can't get the right weapons around him for the last go around. Like you got to go out like this and not go out swinging. Well, like that's-
1: but but if you're management and you're giving up first and second round picks down the road, and you're mm-hmm. th- well, we'd rather have those picks because we're going into a rebuild. It makes sense to not make a trade, but it, it's going to drive Packer fans crazy that they have these two guys, Brett mm-hmm. Favre. And Aaron Rodgers back to back, and each only got one Super Bowl. You you probably should have gotten more, but that may be it for these two. Mm-hmm.
0: By the way, I would uh, fully endorse. I know the Vikings are six and one, and Kirk Cousins is is playing fairly well here. Um, I wouldn't mind Aaron Rodgers on the Vikings. I'm just saying, I would love, I would love it if he went to the Vikings.
1: Oh my gosh! You know, you know, Favre went there to stick it to the Packers. Wouldn't it be yeah. like Rodgers did the same?
0: yes yes it would be <laughs> hilarious and it would create this awesome drama yeah. uh, uh for those games again like they did several uh, decade ago or whatever uh ted i appreciate uh you jumping on this podcast catching up with all the work you're doing with for shriner university the high school football stuff and just enjoy your uh retirement enjoy texas it sounds like a a, a fun time for you right now so just to enjoy it and thanks for uh thanks for hopping on
1: yeah. When I walk out of here, I'm going to walk out and drive over to the university. It's 77 degrees here today, John. Did you should know that. 77.
0: Hey, you know what? I think it's supposed to get up to 70 here in Madison today, hey. so we're not too far behind, at I'll least check. for a day. What was that?
1: I'll check with you again in December.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll have a speed for sure. Thanks, Ted. All right, John. Thanks. All right. <laughs> That's Ted Davis, uh, former radio voice of the box Now, out in Texas, retired, but still, still doing the play-by-play. Hey, I'd like to thank Ian's Pizza for becoming a sponsor of this podcast. Remember, they're giving away free mac and cheese pizza on Election Day, November 8th, only open from 5 to 10, and only at the three locations in Madison. Um, also, congratulations to Ross on Facebook, who won the college football tickets for Saturday and the $50 gift card to me and Julio. Excellent job. I'll be giving away some gift cards. Um, also, you know what? I'm a, You know what? Write a review on apple or wherever you get your podcast take a screenshot of that review send it to me all right the first three people who do that will get a twenty dollar gift card to me and julio how about that how about that i just came up with that right now and i don't know if that's a wise use of my gift cards for me and julio or not but i know you're going to enjoy it first three people send the screenshot of the review you put on the podcast on apple or spotify wherever you get your podcast and i'll get you a twenty dollar gift card only if you're the first three um, so go check that out as well, com. Thanks to Ted Davis for joining the podcast and thank you for you, for, to you, for listening to the podcast. See you next time. Bye.